Welcome to Jersey Guy Sports, your sports talk home for the New York Yankees, the New York Giants, the New York Rangers, and the Rutgers Scarlet Knights. I'm your host, Don. I want to thank you for tuning in. Now, today I'm going to be talking about the Yanks, who are struggling. Might just be a tough year for the Yanks. The Rangers lose to the tough Carolina Hurricanes Tuesday night, 4-2 at MSG, but then they bounce back Wednesday and thump the Flyers in Philly. So let's go ahead and get started. Why don't we go ahead and start with the Yankees today. I wanted to give a brief status on the state of the Yankees about a week into the season here, maybe just a day short after their rain out last Thursday. Uh, the short version is this, if you're a Yankee fan, <clears throat> the Yanks are tied for fourth place early in this Major League Baseball season. Now, if you're a Yankee fan, you might have to get used to that. That's the short version. So let's see a couple things quickly about the Yankees. The Yankee lineup changes significantly every single night. So Boone still sucks, as if that was a shock to anyone. Every single night, oh, here's a leadoff hitter. Here's a different leadoff hitter. Here's this person in the lineup. Here's this person out of the lineup. He's certainly not helped by the extra infielder that we have on the team. We need to trade Torres. We need to clear up this position, and we need to have people play in the same position every night and have a more fixed lineup so people can settle in a little bit. So that hasn't changed. Let's see. Other tidbits. Hicks didn't make a catch that he could have in a shock to no one, and it became a homer on Wednesday night. Of course, no one thinks Hicks could have caught it, except apparently me. It was one of Vladimir Guerrero's three homers that he hit against the Yanks on Wednesday night. Oi, oi, oi. Nestor Cortez is still awesome in every way. And I got to tell you, he is like a joy to watch. If you guys have watched Nestor Cortez, it is just joy watching him pitch. And he doesn't always win. He's not always great. But... He is a really good pitcher, and it's just so fun to watch a real pitcher, not just someone who stands up there, stares in there, and, you know, tries to do certain things. He has flair. He has personality. He pitches sidearm. Every now and then, he turns completely around like Louis Tion. He takes sometimes 30 seconds occasionally to stall the batter with his leg kick standing up in the air in the middle of his windup to, to get the ball to the plate. He works really, really quickly most of the time. He throws strikes and he is surprisingly effective. And honestly, he's the, one of the more fun pitchers I've seen pitch for the Yankees in a long time. He tamed, by the way, the powerful Toronto Blue Jays Tuesday night when the Yankees shut out the Blue Jays and won, believe it or not, over that team. Now, he didn't pitch the whole game, but he did pitch, I don't know, four or five innings, and he was fantastic. Let's see what else. Clayber Torres cannot play defense, again, in a shock to absolutely no one, right? So on Wednesday night, his awful, awful, costly inability to turn a double play cost the Yankees dearly. There was one out, so the double play should have ended the inning he received the ball at second base, bobbled it a little bit as he was trying to get out of his glove, threw late and high to first. The guy was safe. The next Blue Jay doubled in the run and ruined any momentum the Yankees had because that was a game where the Yanks were down 3 nothing. They had just come back to tie the game 3-3. The crowd was excited. Torres flubs a double play, and the Blue Jays go right back on top. Listen closely. Bad defense loses games. Say it over and over. Please do, because it seems like no one else does. 
if anyone wants, all anyone that wants to discuss is home runs, right? I mean, no one talks about defense. It's just amazing. And this was a super costly play that barely will be written about in, in the papers. Uh, I guarantee you, if you look around, they'll talk about, oh, Vladimir Guerrero hit three home runs. And obviously that was a big thing, right? And this happened and that happened. No one's going to say Torres didn't turn a double play. But if you're watching it live, you saw the Blue Jays take a 3 nothing lead. Then you saw all the momentum change. The Yankees came back. back. They hit a couple home runs. Judge hit a home run. DJ had a clutch two-out opposite field double to, to tie the game, as DJ does. The crowd was in it. The momentum was on our side. We were not having a bad inning pitching-wise the next inning. And Torres flubs a double play, and we're losing again. And it just seemed like someone popped the balloon and all the air went out of the stadium. And we were never in the game again. So defense, 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 and Torres doesn't have it. I'm sorry, he should not be on the team. He might be able to hit good again, we'll see. But he doesn't have a position on this team. DJ needs to play second, and Torres needs to get off the team. Let's see what else. Hicks got a few hits one night this week, and suddenly folks are proclaiming him back. You know, this is Mr. I'm going to look for a walk no matter what. He still sucks. Mr. 233, lifetime batting average. With diminishing fielding skills, by the way, needs to sit. Kiner Falafa is not hitting at all. The Yanks tweaked his swing, remember, in, in the preseason this year. After he hit 270 last year, by the way, Kiner Falafa. And so far this year, he seems to not be able to hit at all after the Yanks tweaked his swing. Fantastic. That's a just tremendous, tremendous job. I, I don't know what to say about that. Josh Donaldson. Might still be able to hit, I have to say. I might have been wrong about him. I was really dubious about getting him on the team. He's old, but so far he looks pretty damn good at the plate. It's a weekend. We'll see as the season goes on, and we'll see if he stays healthy. But he looks pretty damn good. They're already putting the Yankees bullpen in the Hall of Fame, it seems, here in mid-April after one week. Uh, if you were to read the papers and listen to the announcers, they're already anointing the entire bullpen as, like, the best in the history of baseball. I'm exaggerating, of course, here, but, you know, they've done well. You know, they did blow the game Tuesday against Toronto, but what are you going to say? Along with help from Labor Torres' terrible defense. But, you know, let's just take a beat here. They've had, you know, four or five games of pretty good pitching, one, one bad game of relieving, and let's just see where they go from here. We'll just have to see. Anyway, um, DJ is hitting well. No surprise. Rizzo, hitting and fielding great. No surprise. Cole. Cole should be 0-2, but he's 0-1 now. They're praising how well he pitched, you know, when he when he came out of the game down 3 nothing. So, great. When our two best pitchers on the team are Nestor Cortez and Talion, I think the Yanks might be in trouble. But that's where we stand right now. Talion looked really good the other day, and Nestor Cortez is just, <laughs> he's awesome. Uh, so, yeah, the Yanks are tied for fourth place, and it might be time to settle in and accept that, Yankee fans. Let's go ahead and move on and talk about a couple of Ranger games. So the New York Rangers split a pair on back-to-back -back nights, Tuesday and Wednesday night. We'll start with the Rangers-Carolina on Tuesday night. The Rangers were beaten by the Carolina Hurricanes Tuesday night at MSG 4-2. The Rangers came into that game with 100 points, which is great. The Hurricanes were in first place, obviously, with 102. And it was a battle for first place in the Metropolitan Division, and the Rangers... Honestly, in this game, even though they lost, they, they looked much better against Carolina than they did in the previous two matchups. 
In both of the other games, the Hurricanes looked absolutely dominant. Um, the Hurricanes blew out the Rangers. I think it was 6-3 in the first game. The Rangers actually managed to win the second game somehow, basically with a Herculean effort by Georgiev in goal, if you guys remember that game. But still, that second game, Carolina completely dominated the Rangers. I think they outshot us something like, I don't know, 42-18. to 18. Both of the prior games were just complete domination by Carolina. This game, even though the Rangers lost, was not a dominant effort, even though the third period did tilt the ice a little bit in Carolina's favor. Uh, it was a much more even matchup. Let's just put it that way. Um, the Rangers um, really would have been would have benefited from actually getting a win in this game, but they did, they didn't because if they meet Carolina in the playoffs, which I do not want to see, having a little confidence that they can beat this team would be a good thing. Um, they do have one more matchup against Carolina later in the year, so we will see how that goes. Uh, I do think Carolina could win the whole thing this year. They could win the Cup. They're that good a team. And I'm not really sure that the Rangers can. But at least in this game, the Rangers certainly looked a bit more like the equal of Carolina, though I'd say we're still a level below at this point. Th- as far as the game, it was a very fast-paced game. Both teams moved the puck extremely well. Uh, and really limited a lot of time and space defensively in their own zones most of the night. It was kind of a clinic, especially for two periods when it was, you know, both teams look pretty damn even. Fast-paced, quick passes, kind of elite play all over the place. The Rangers got on the board first. I think it was early in the second period. It was a nice rush up the ice and a nice goal by Keandre Miller off of a great pass by Mika Zibanejad. Carolina then tied the game late in the second period on a goal from behind the net. That sucked, and I hate goals like that. Um, he bounced it off of the back of Igor and into the net. And then those kind of goals just, uh, they drive you nuts, especially in big games like this that tie the game. And then a minute into the third, somehow it was a complete defensive breakdown and it cost the Rangers a goal and Carolina took a two run lead. Somehow Jarvis from Carolina broke down the middle, you know, kind of on (laughs) what looked like a breakaway with like three people around him, but there was no one near him. He just broke right down the center and backhanding one pass Igor to kind of quiet the crowd and put Carolina up 2-1. And then after that goal, it was kind of all Carolina, unfortunately. The Rangers could not get any more chances for like the next seven or eight minutes. Carolina scored again on a goal by Jordan Stahl that Igor should have probably stopped. I mean, it was a good shot. It was probably a 12 or 14-foot laser. And at that point, it was 3-1 Hurricanes kind of, and it stayed that way until there was, you know, under two minutes left in the game. The Rangers did make it 3-2 with uh, Igor pulled and Rangers having an empty net. Chris Kreider got his 50th goal of the year. So that was a big highlight in the losing effort, unfortunately. Kreider became only the fourth player in Rangers history to score 50 goals in a season. So congrats to Kreider on just an amazing year. Unfortunately, though, the 50th came at a loss, and it made it much less exciting than it could have been. In the end, though, it wasn't enough. Carolina had an empty net goal, and the Rangers lost 4-2. Carolina is a team the Rangers will probably not beat in the playoffs, in my opinion. It's a team I do not want to see. I have to say that. Even though the Rangers did not look too much, I guess I would say, like an inferior team on Tuesday night, Carolina still proved to be better in the end, and... It is not a team I want to see. Other notes from this game, the Rangers' power play struggled again, went 0 for 4. We got only four shots on goal, kind of struggled mightily, just even getting into the zone and setting up all night. And it really hurt the Rangers against a powerful team like Carolina. They do have a great 
penalty killing team. But when you're the Rangers and you have a great power play, you have to make the most of your power play opportunities against strong teams like the Hurricanes. And the Rangers did not do that. They just didn't. Power play is, I don't know, it was like two for 16 over the past four games at that point. And um, they didn't score. And they also didn't score the following night against the Flyers. So it's something they got to work on. It's kind of hit a little bit of a slump. Other notes. There's kind of a bad feeling I have about Igor Shosturkin, where it seems to me he's still not back to where he was earlier in the year. After sort of a downstretch for him, he's had some pretty good games. But I don't know. Igor really has not been dominant. Igor, in my mind, for about six or seven straight weeks now, and that is a gigantic problem for the Rangers. It might just be me because I'm not seeing anyone read, you know, write about this or talk about it as far as announcers or on talk shows or anything. But when I watch him, it doesn't seem the same. I don't have the same confidence in him. I don't see him making spectacular saves or flat out winning games for the Rangers. I mean, think back on it, everyone listening. When is the last time that the Rangers won a game that they should not have won because of Igor Shosturkin? What's the last game? Can you think of it? I can't. I'll tell you that right now. I mean, earlier in the year, you'd never have to go back more than a day or two because it was. It seemed like every night, you know, the Rangers were, were being a tough game. They give up 25, 30, 40 shots, and Shesterkin would be stopping everything, giving up no goals, one goal, maybe two, and he was keeping them in it and or winning it for the Rangers. And it, you'd never have to look more than two or three days to find a game where Igor won a game that the Rangers probably shouldn't have won. Now I'll ask you, when is the last time that happened? Think back. When did it happen? I can't think. It's probably been two months. And that's a problem. That means that not necessarily Igor that, that Igor is playing badly, but it certainly means that he is not stealing games for the Rangers anymore, and that is a gigantic problem. You cannot give up any bad goals once you get to the playoffs, and you can't be average as a goaltender in the playoffs, especially the Rangers who – are probably a step below other teams as far as their skill level all over the ice. They need elite goaltending from Igor in the playoffs to go far. And we'll see. We'll see. It's not like he's been giving up a ton of bad goals, but I hope he's able to shake off whatever has him in this funk. On the positive side, Frank Vitrano had an outstanding game. Again, it gets the Hurricanes. His speed, as well as a straight-ahead play, continue to benefit the Rangers, in my opinion, every night. As much as everyone was praising other additions, cop, people like that, Vitrano may prove to be the best acquisition of this trade deadline for the Rangers. I just like watching him play. We need more players like this on this club. Um, and so we'll see. But without Igor returning to elite form in the playoffs, the Rangers are going to have to hope for a different matchup in the second round or something, if they make it that far, right? Because that's who they're going to play in the second round. This Carolina team is not a team I have any confidence in that the Rangers could beat in a seven-game series, but we'll see how this plays out. Let's go ahead and move on and talk about the Rangers-Flyers on Wednesday night. So Wednesday night, the Rangers thumped the Flyers, I guess you would say, on the road in Philly. They won 4 nothing. It was a nice bounce-back game for the Rangers, who continue, in my mind, to be a resilient team this year. Georgiev was in goal for the Rangers, and he was really, really good. Georgiev now has won six consecutive starts for the Rangers. Can you imagine that? Georgiev, last night, now I'm recording this on Thursday, Georgiev looked better on Wednesday night than... 
Shesterkin has in a while. He made some really, really good saves, and he shut out the Flyers, and that's spectacular. And Gergo's had some really poor games this year, and even during this six-game sort of winning streak, personal winning streak for Gergo, he's had a few ones that were not fantastic. But let's face it, he's much better than I thought <laughs> he had the ability to be about, say, two months ago when I was, you know, really advocating for the Rangers to get him off the team. He's bounced back pretty well. And on, you know, Wednesday night, he played really, really well in goal against the Flyers. The first five minutes of the game, as a matter of fact, were all Flyers. Lots of early chances. They were up and down the ice and nothing for the Rangers. Georgov was really strong, made several outstanding saves. He held the Rangers in this game, basically the first half of the first period. They're being badly outshot and outplayed. But then, out of nowhere, believe it or not, Capo Caco <laughs> comes in with a really strong wrist shot. He puts past the Philly goalie, and the Rangers are up 1-0. Uh, out of nowhere, I mean, he just came back the other night, and this was his second game back, and um, he played really, really well. The Flyers then took two penalties within five seconds, and the Rangers had a long minute 55, five-on-three power play. Minute 55, five on three, and the Rangers did not score. And the power play has not been great now for the last, say, four or five games, and it's an area that has to get better. The Rangers had another power play, by the way, later in the game, which they didn't score on. So two consecutive games. I think they've now gone 0 for 7 or 0 for 8, and they're probably two for their last, I don't know what, 20-something on the power play, and it is not great. Heedle was back in the lineup, and he played pretty well. Uh, in the second period, and with the Rangers uh, up... One nothing. He made a beautiful feed, beautiful feed in front of the net to Capo Caco, who banged in his second goal and put the Rangers up two nothing. Seeing Caco score a pair of goals, it's it was kind of shocking to me, you know, because I almost had gotten used to him not even being on the team, and then all of a sudden, bam, he's got two goals, you know, in the first half of the game. It's an excellent sign. It's something the Rangers desperately need. And let's face it. He is supposed to be an elite player. You know, the Rangers need him to play well. He was the second friggin' overall pick of the NHL draft. Second overall pick behind Jack Hughes a couple of years ago. And he needs to start playing like it. Let's face it, man. Let's go here. Uh, it's, it's two, three years into his career. I know he's young still, but come on now. <clears throat> he's got to start, you know, making us believe this was the right pick at number two overall. But, you know, in this game, he banged in two goals and it was nice to see. Panarin then made it 3-0 on a great pass from Truba from the blue line wall. And the Rangers were up 3-0 after Panarin scored that. The third period uh, on Wednesday night was pretty uneventful for the most part. The Rangers played very effective defensively and were effective at keeping the, the puck and the Flyers into the ice. Interestingly, and they noted this on TV, at one point in the third period, the Rangers and the Flyers went 11 and a half minutes without a whistle blowing. And if you watch hockey, you know, sometimes you're lucky if you get a minute or two without a whistle blowing. They went 11 and a half consecutive minutes of playtime without any whistle. So no offsides, no saves where the goalie holds the puck, no icing, no penalties, no anything, right? 11 and a half minutes without a whistle, which is just really rare. And I have to say, I've probably never seen that before. The Rangers, though, were in full control throughout that third period and throughout those 11 and a half consecutive minutes. Um, an empty net goal later on by Andrew Kopp finished the scoring and the Rangers ended up winning 4 nothing in what was a dominant effort and a great effort by Georgiev. He was very strong in goal and now has six consecutive wins. 
in games that he started. So that's something. That is really something. He's gaining confidence in goal. And I have to say out loud that I'm starting to gain confidence in Georgiev when he's in goal, which is not anything I thought I'd be saying at this point. But but I am. He's he's really starting to turn his game around. And it's a, it's a great sign because, um, you know, my confidence in, in Igor is, is slightly waning at this point. So seeing Georgiev be able to step up and play well is, is a great thing. The Rangers play next on Saturday afternoon, and I want to thank you for listening to Jersey Guy Sports. Please subscribe to the podcast and tell your friends all about it, and I'll be back soon with some more sports talk. Thanks, and have a good day.